you so much for coming. No, thank you. It is absolutely our pleasure to have you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's our first podcast, as we've just been talking about. Yeah. I think you're such an important voice, and mm-hmm. it's amazing mm-hmm. to see an advocate so passionate about housing disrepair. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so just to kick off, like I've got a long list here, mm. right? Of like mm. you're so famous now. <laughs> I just want to say, like, before we go into this, that mm. I said to you, I did get on you before you were verified. Yes. So we just want to yeah. put it out there yeah. that I have been a fan, like it an OG yeah. fan, yeah. okay, you know, for exactly. a while. Yeah. You would have seen all my beginning stuff, <laughs> my wild tweets, everything. Yeah. But it's actually been wonderful to yeah. be part of that journey, yeah. and um, we'll definitely go into that. Yes. So. In this year alone, you've won awards, you've become verified on Twitter, mm. you've been on every major TV station. Like, there was a time where you were, like, I was switching channels <laughs> and you were on the other channel. Stephen Bartlett, who's my fave yes. from Dragon's Den, he's mm-hmm. donated 10K to you. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're now regarded as one of the biggest activists in the UK. So, you know, how old are you again? 23. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So how are you finding all of this? Like at 23, like what's been the impact on you and everybody else's sort of lives? Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's been crazy. I think the last year when I started, I was 22, but essentially I've been living <laughs> with disrepair since I was, well, 2018, since I was in sixth form. So I've had that experience um, for, for years, but in terms of, the attention towards the campaign and it really, really taking off. It, it honestly, I wanted it to get to where it's at. Yeah. I didn't think, it, I thought it would take absolute years. I didn't think it would happen as quick as it did. Um, and it's intense. There, there is times where it's very, very overwhelming. But I think for me, what, what the best part is, is going into a home where someone or, or listening to someone who's complaining about their living conditions, who's just been ignored and, not receive the help that they should have got um, and had their repairs um, sorted years before and being able to go in there, help them and essentially get what it is that 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 they deserve as not just as housing tenants, but as human beings and and a certain level of respect that I think everyone deserves. So that's what really um, keeps me going and is why I started. And I've said from the very beginning, I... I, I went in it with no expectation. I didn't want anything out of it. I was doing it because yeah. of the principle that yeah. there is right and wrong and the way people are being forced to live is just indefensible. You, you cannot justify why people are being allowed to live with sewage running around their walls and damp mold and collapsing ceilings. So it's been it's that's why I do it, but it's been it's been a crazy crazy year and yeah there's a lot of responsibility but I hope it motivates other people to whether it be in housing or others for other social issues to speak out and and think of more than just yourself because yes I think it's a community yeah, thing now isn't yeah. it yeah you ha- you've done this so selflessly yeah. I know that you started with your own story which we'll get to mm-hmm. but as you picked up on your motivation is helping other people yeah because I don't think anyone should really go through what I went through or my family mm. went through or similar situations. I just think it's completely wrong. As human beings, we know the difference between right and wrong. We, we should all have um, morals. The, the problem is, is what I've learned is there's individuals out there that have put their job, their own yeah. interests, their own selfish needs ahead of the... the money. Their, what, exactly, money ahead of basic um, respect and, and morals. And I think it's completely wrong. We need... We need less of just caring about ourselves and prioritising ourselves and thinking about the bigger picture and thinking about other people that don't necessarily have a voice or a platform um, or the power. And that's hopefully what I do with my platform and what it's been built on. And I started from the very beginning. Yeah. Um, like you said, you followed me from, from the very, very beginning. So it started with absolutely no one, but I stayed persistent with it. I knew what it was You're that passionate. needed to happen. I was very, very passionate um, and driven and determined um, to prove a point and get, get it to where it needed to be. And it's still a long way to go. There's still a long journey in regards to housing. It's not fixed. It's far from fixed. It's going to take, it's not something that's going to be fixed over, overnight. I'm very determined to, to, to stick with it. And I hope others do come on board in their own shape and form, whether they turn into campaigners or just tenants feeling like they can speak up. Um, and then obviously change that government level needs to happen. And for real change mm. to happen, they're the ones with power. They're the ones that should have been dealt with. They're the ones to blame for the current situation that they're, that we're in. And the change needs to ultimately come from them. And that will then feed through down to us tenants. Yes. um, And the people that need it for generations to come, not just now. 
Yeah, and you and you've just mentioned then where the change needs to come from. Mm. So you have met a lot of people in government. You have met yeah. a lot of MPs. You have met, you know, maybe heads of housing or heads of the council. Yeah, people that can make a real change. Mm. Do you feel like change is happening, or is it potentially superficial that mm. they're just they're just trying to do a PR job? How yeah. do you feel? Um, hmm. I think now it's starting to change, especially with everything that's happened over the last year. It's gone from, oh, it can be just a PR statement of us saying, oh, we prioritise our tenants and whatnot, to them actually waking up and thinking, if we don't, and if we say we're looking after our tenants and then this individual comes along or these other campaigners or these other groups come and shame us and disgrace us for not mm. doing what and living up to what it is that we tell yeah. others that we do, then we're in trouble. So it's gone from them doing it for PR. I still have no doubt that everything revolves about PR, around PR. No business wants bad press. Um, but I do think... You've shone a light, yeah. haven't you? You've and they, shone they cannot look away from it. Yeah, the problem's perfect. there and it's, and, it's, and it's systematic. And I think that was what the goal in the beginning was. It's about how they react now, but it's about them also knowing that if they don't react in the correct way, then they ultimately will be held accountable for it. Just picking up as well mm -hmm. about what you were saying before, you used this phrase twice mm. about people being human beings. Mm -hmm. They're not statistics. No. You know, I think what's been wonderful about you, genuinely, mm. is that you've shone a light mm. on people's real circumstances. You've allowed us to go into that home and have a look. And mm. um, a lot of your Twitter is visual. Mm. A lot of the things that you're doing on TV is mm. visual. Obviously, this is a podcast, so we can't see those images. Yeah. But sometimes a picture speaks a thousand words. Mm. So, what is the message there? You know, do you feel that? you are shining the light and people do need that education about people circumstances and mm. can you share with us some of the horror stories because it, I think some people if they've never gone through it themselves they've yeah. never looked at those pictures they've never walked a mile in those people's shoes it's so easy to write it off as this is a little bit of damp this is a little bit of mold mm -hmm. but as we've discussed outside of this podcast yeah. there's some heavy things going on you yeah. know people are dying they yeah. have huge consequences can you yeah. just share with our listeners a little bit about some of the more extreme cases just to hit home to anyone who's not familiar with the subject or mm. a little, feels a bit removed yeah i mean on the on the first bit i mean my posts and i purposely do my posts in the way that i have from the very beginning um, because people clearly have a connection to it and it and it, and it works and my posts aren't there to, to make anyone feel comfortable. They're purposely sure. there to show the raw end of things, the reality to what um, what what is happening in regards to housing and also um, to show the extent to what happens when you don't do your job correctly and you don't prioritise the people in this case, this public sector, being tenants. Um, and it goes completely wrong and that's highlighted in my, in my video. Mm. Um, it's all good and well, like I say, saying there's an issue, but showing them in 4K just how it is that someone's living and how how long they've been living for um in those sorts of situation really brings it home i think just how bad things have gotten in regards to some of the worst cases i mean it's crazy because now i have to really think about which one's the worst because they're all so terrible they're all so bad yeah all so bad um i've had people with sewage running down their walls people's homes flooded with raw sewage mice cockroach infestations damp mold um, what are the, what mm. what have been the cases? Because we we discussed ourselves. Because obviously we're the solicitors. Yeah. Um, and I know you know we've we've talked about how solicitors can be seen certainly by the public. Yeah. In a in a certain light, you know, usually fat cats. Yeah. Um, money grabbers or whatever. Yeah. And you know, I was shared with you that I remember my first case that mm. I took on, the one that kept me mm. up at night, and I was pregnant myself. Yeah. And this lady was also mm. pregnant, but mm. a couple of months ahead of me. Mm. And her baby was born with respiratory problems mm. because of the thick mold that mm. was in the house. And her baby would always grow up with breathing problems. And that, it just absolutely floored me. Mm. Like, if it was real anyway, it was just mm. so much more real. So there must have been a few cases where actually, I know that you only deal with the most extreme, but was yeah. there any in particular of recent even yeah. where you've just struggled to like 
get it yeah. out of your mind, maybe? I mean, there's, there's, there's been, again, loads, especially when it comes to people's physical and mental health. Um, I'm thinking kids are often, in a lot of these cases, the, the victims, they're the overlooked victims in this, a lot of the health issues. So, for example, um, I was speaking to a woman who a few years ago had a miscarriage yeah. um, as a, re a result of the infest um, an infestation of mice and she had caught an infection um, which preempted labor. She, she had a she had a miscarriage um, and that child unfortunately didn't survive. It was a few oh months gosh. before she was due to give birth. Um, and she was telling me how she found um, mice in her like washing machine. She found them it around was, the house. It was house just infested. And, yeah, just completely, completely infested. I've also had- And it's a dangerous. So yeah. we're getting to the point where, mm. you know, what I want to hit home really is mm. that this is dangerous. Like mm. people are dying. Yeah. There are huge, huge consequences yeah. of this because I think sometimes because of the sector mm. of people that this affects, mm. people don't care no. about this sector and no. people should. Yeah. I mean, I see it as three pillars and I think absolutely everyone in this country should um, in terms of our national health service. Yeah. Um, education and also um, housing. I think they're the three most important things that people across the country depend on. Unfortunately, um, housing isn't isn't treated to the same standard. I think. I mean, you think of schools and you think of hospitals. When you go into when you go to work into edu in in education or you go to work in a hospital, if you're holding those senior positions, you have to go and train for years. Um, whether that be even to go to university yeah. in order to get those qualifications and really understand what it is that you're working with. Fortunately for housing, you don't. You mm -hmm. don't necessarily need that. Um, you can just go in there and do it. So it's even in, in that sense, but also in regards to funding and lack of funding um, and the lack of regulation too when it comes to people living in poor housing. There's nothing there. There's no yeah. deterrence there for housing providers um, to stop exploiting their tenants or abusing their tenants or neglecting their tenants. And I know they sound like harsh words, but they, they're the reality because yeah. if we're being real now and a parent was doing those sorts of things and allowing their kid and forcing their kid to live in those sorts I've of I've never thought about it yeah. like that, but yeah, Social services would be on. on the phone straight away, yeah. ready to take your child out of that situation. So why is it just because it's a public sector, just because it's local authority, just because it's housing association, that's not the case. Why are they allowed to continue doing that to tenants? That's my problem and it's a whole, power thing that is, is, is just broken and the thing is I have to make it clear that this isn't something that's just been going on for, for a year of me mm. highlighting on mm. social media there's been, there's been other campaigns there's been other campaigners there's been other groups out there there st still are these groups out there and still the change isn't yeah. forthcoming because we saw a little bit of change mm. after Grenfell mm. but again the law as as a lawyer uh, the law just did not go far no. enough and again, we need to think about everything sort of holistically. Mm -hmm. So it's amazing that you're campaigning. But if I'm going to bring it back to the law, as as I've said to you previously outside of this podcast, mm. sometimes our hands are tied by mm. the law and we can only do so much. We really need, as you were saying, with government, mm. we need to see that change. We need to see people supported mm. by the court, by law, so that mm. the legal rights are there. Mm so they can be followed yeah. you know at the moment it it's a, it's a disgrace really yeah. mm. that we have to have campaigners or charities to bring these issues to a mm. forefront it's true it's absolutely true and i think there's, there's definitely individuals there that are paid to do the jobs that i i'm doing other campaigners are doing and also in regards to to um the laws there barely are any that protect tenants there barely are any there that protect tenants. And what I found mm. is even when they're there, they don't go far enough. No. So it's like how we were talking where, okay, you can mm. win, you can have a housing disrepair claim with mm. a solicitor. You can win, you can give um, the tenant compensation, which by the way, let's be clear, the, these, these tenants are not bothered about compensation. Mm. They're really, really not. No. The, first and foremost, they want their repairs doing, yeah. mm. and that's where the law lets them down. Mm. So yes, okay, the council will pay them the compensation, but then they don't go in and they mm. don't do the repairs. Yeah, and that's where we have to sue again and again and again. Mm. We have cases where we've had to sue them six times. Mm. Why is this happening? Mm. It's because the law law just isn't strong enough on this case, mm. and. I'm grateful mm. to yourself for sort of shining a light so that mm. we can get things done. But 
I really thought that we would be more along yeah. and we're not. No, definitely not. And like you said, the law doesn't go far enough at all. And it's entirely true what you say in regards to tenants. They want the work done first and foremost. But if it is a thing where we're going back to compensation and we're talking about um, the money in which uh, tenants get as, as sort of um, in response to them living in disrepair and dire situations when they do get soliciting or they go to the ombudsman yeah. and you look at that figure, let's say on average... We're going to use an example. They get a thousand pounds compensation yeah. a tenant. That tenant's been living in um, disrepair for for two years. Let's say they've been living in disrepair for two years. They've got a thousand pounds compensation yeah. um, for the situation they've been living in. Five hundred pounds worth of their belongings has been destroyed yes. as a result of the disrepair. And sometimes mm. it'll be really sentimental things yeah. that, that are destroyed. And also the law does not take into account emotional distress yeah. as well. Mm. And that's where I find it really difficult when we speak to our clients is mm. certainly as people ourselves, yeah. we can totally emphasize, yeah. have empathy, sorry, yeah. with the clients. Mm. But there's nothing that we can do legally no. and it's wrong. No. Because in other areas of mm. law, you will get money for that. Yeah. And it doesn't take that into account at all and right. how they've mis been mistreated yeah. and not listened to mm. as well you know some of your cases that are mm. so extreme you can't put money value no. on that they're no. never going to get that back it's, um, it's never it's never it doesn't never go it never goes far enough even with like everything that you mentioned what 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 the bit that i'm trying to change and i think is absolutely disgraceful is even if for example they gave a thousand pounds compensation of 500 pounds of that they had to use to buy back their belongings yeah. that's still not taken into consideration that that individual has been paying full rent every month for that two years that they've been living in disrepair even if the property was unfit for living so when we calculate that as opposed to the £1,000 that they get back, it means absolutely nothing. Mm -hmm. If anything, they're, they're still at a loss because they've yep. been having to hand over that money for a service they haven't been receiving for two years. And it makes no sense whatsoever because if that was any other sector, if that was any other good or service that someone was receiving, you wouldn't have to pay the money for the service that you... You wouldn't pay money for yes. a service you're not receiving under any circumstances. Exactly. Now, I have my own thoughts yeah. on this. Yeah. But I would like to know yeah. why do you think that is the reason compared to other sectors? Well, I think in regards to, to housing, so tenants still have to pay rent. Well, in the sense, tenants know they have to still pay rent because if they don't, they're going to be kicked out of their house and that should be, that's used by the housing provider in order to get that money. And that's why there's a lack of response when it comes to them having to deal with repairs because there's no incentive there for them to do it in a decent amount of time. Whereas you stop paying rent and you don't pay two years of rent, they will know about that. Yeah. They will know straight away. But also, it's, I don't think it's seen as a priority. And obviously... Um, the government... I, I, I think it's the demographic as well. Yeah. Because I think... The demographic is a demographic where they just don't have a voice mm. and no one cares about no, them and no. they just don't matter. Yeah, they don't, yeah. You know, obviously we know that they do matter mm. and obviously it's amazing that you are giving them yeah. a voice, but I think that certain authorities take advantage of that as well yeah. is, is what I've seen. I think it's quite yeah. political. Yeah, they are looked down upon and they're looked down upon by the people that are meant to be riding with homes too. Protecting them. Yeah. yeah. You, you just listen to the way in which tenants are spoken to on the phone when they call up to mm -hmm. make a repair and the way in which they're disrespected. You can hear it um, over the, the phone. a lot as well, aren't yeah. they? Yeah. You know, they're going through the most horrendous time, especially COVID must have exacerbated any sort of disrepair that they're living with. Yeah. And they're just not listened to, they're lied to, they're ignored. Mm. You know, it has what I found with, mm. I'd say 99% of our clients is mm. that how they're treated mm. once they do complain mm. actually has a direct impact mm. on their mental health and contributes yeah. mm. detrimentally. Yeah. And I mean, it, going back to what you said earlier, I'm glad we, we agree on the same point and coming from a campaigner mm. and also a, a lawyer, we've agreed on the same point yeah. because... Sometimes when I say it, people might think, oh, he's over-exaggerating or whatnot, he's being dramatic. But people are dying in their homes. Yeah. I've seen evidence of it. We've yeah. had a conversation We've about this. we had a conversation, yeah. Yeah, you've seen exactly the same. So, yeah. so I is... mean, we were talking, so originally we were talking, um, obviously I'm from a council estate background myself. Yeah. So before I got into this, which was around five years ago yeah. now, I thought, okay, I'm, I'm, you know, it's definitely a cause that I want to get behind. 
but I'm quite prepared for the houses that I'm going to see because mm. that's going to be the houses where I grew up. Yeah. And I was shocked. shocked. Yeah. I was blown out of the water. There isn't some of these houses I wouldn't spend an hour in, let alone live in, bring up my children, have disabilities in, have, you know, my mother in there. So it's an absolute disgrace. It's an absolute mm. eye opener. And I think that's where you've come in and really started to educate us mm. with, if you tell us a little bit about maybe the Channel 4 program that you're going to do, yeah. just really starting to shine a light. Because even myself, who've mm. come from that demographic, mm. I was still shocked yeah. at the standards yeah. and what's going on. And, it, and what we found discussing is mm. actually this problem's getting worse. It's yeah. not getting better yeah. every year. We're seeing decline. Mm, it is, and and again, that's you as a lawyer saying that you you get thousands, I'm sure, of people contacting you in the just like I do of tenants who are desperate for help because they're not getting it anywhere else, um, and and you see that it's getting progressively worse. And I think, especially over the last few years, and I know after the, over the last decade, it would, especially with lockdown, that would have made people were having to stay in these situations mm. um, day in day out and be in these sorts of environments. And when I, when I make my posts and I, I share them, I want people to remember that, that yeah. a, a few a few years ago, a few months ago, people were told they had to stay, stay. in this day in, day out, whether it be mice, cockroaches, damp, mold, collapse. And things ceilings. get worse. Yeah. So we, we were talking about cracks in the ceiling. Mm. Okay, that's okay. Mm. Fast forward two years, those ceilings are collapsing on people. Mm. We're talking about, okay, this lock's a little bit loose. Fast forward, mm. this lock on a high rise, mm. children, and there's been several children mm. are falling out of these windows mm. to the death mm. because no one's listening and mm. no one's coming out to do anything about it. Yeah. So everything's just getting exacerbated, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it's true. But and, and we see that happening and that decline happening, but the, the, the people with the power, um, whether that be the CEOs or the directors, boards of these housing providers, or the government don't see it as that, or don't see it enough as an emer- or enough of an emergency to have to deal with it in the short term. Not being funny, five years after Grenfell, that should have been enough exactly. of an emergency to deal with yeah. it. It shouldn't be happening. We shouldn't exactly. be seeing the levels that we are. Um, the safety risks yeah. are still breached, there. being breached constantly. You know, they, they love to say lessons have been learned. Mm. I can't see no, them. Can't see them at all. I say I use that all the time when Do they say you? they love to use that one yeah. line, especially. When I go in there, come out, disgrace them, lessons have been learned. A few weeks later, I go back to another one of their properties or a few months later, find the ex- tenants complaining of the same sort of issues being ignored, the same basic fundamental issues which shouldn't be happening. And they say lessons have, le- have been learned again, but they haven't. It's all PR. It's all PR and it's a, it's a disgrace because lessons should have been learned five years ago. Exactly. And I think what's great about having you on you talked about this a little bit. You are shining the light. You mm. are humanizing these stories. And probably the best story, if we start, is mm. actually your own. Yeah. Because this is how this is all your campaigning has stemmed from. Yeah. Your own experiences mm-hmm. with Clarion mm-hmm. and also with everything that you were going through with your own mm-hmm. father. So mm-hmm. could you tell our listeners a little bit about that and yeah. how this all came about? Yeah, so it started with me living. So the majority of my life I've lived in social housing, um, grew, grew, up in, grew up in social housing, um, temporary accommodation to temporary accommodation, and then we got our permanent accommodation, um, Clarion property. And how did that make you feel when you... When you first heard the news that you've got mm. permanent, were you... Good. I mean, it, it, it just felt like stability. Finally, you were getting stability. So we thought. Mm. Then it turns out that wasn't stability and it was just another living nightmare because even moving into there was completely falling apart. But what do you do when you've been in temporary accommodation for five years? You take what it is that you're given because you don't know when next you're going to be offered somewhere else. So that's exactly what happened. It was falling apart, mice, cockroaches. Best of a bad bunch, isn't it? Yeah. You've got no options. Yeah. It's the lesser of two evils. Exactly. You either take it or you don't, you stay in temporary accommodation. And no one wants that. That's With why children, yeah. you know. Yeah, and that's why they, they tend to just take what it is that they're given, even if it is in, handed to them in disrepair and falling apart. And in that case, it was. It didn't have a bathroom, really. Um, lights were filled with water. Kitchen was nearly, the units were nearly 100 years old. Um, infested with the wood lice, there was flies, security um, risks to the house, the back doors were broken, fences were falling apart and rotten, 
um, you name it, what you think could have gone wrong was going wrong in mm. that, that house. And then my dad unfortunately got ill. Um, he was diagnosed with cancer, early stages of cancer. That progressed quite rapidly in the space of a year to terminal. And he was receiving medical treatment in, in those sorts of environments. So he did, he did that restrict... Mm. how much he could go outside of the house yeah oh yeah i mean he was in he he had to stay home i mean he couldn't physically go in in that environment yeah, he was just yeah he had to stay there in that environment he um he couldn't go out and about he couldn't he couldn't walk he couldn't even walk out of the room or to the sofa so he just stayed he had to stay in the bed and he was um being fed because with the cancer that he had um he he stopped he couldn't eat he couldn't physically eat or drink so he's being fed through his stomach for a tube and he, his weight just completely dropped off. He was weak, and um, he was that was being changed three times a day, and he just de- I would, deteriorated. Mm. I would take that you'd have to have quite a sterile environment then. Yeah, for that. you're meant to. You are meant to, because I mean it is with a tube in his stomach, it can come out, and and he did get an infection in it. He did, and he was in that sort of environment. I'm, I have no doubt in my mind whatsoever that in, that infection was caused by the conditions we were living in. no one can tell me otherwise Um, and he ultimately got really sick in in, in those conditions there was cockroaches there was mice like I mentioned earlier on and in 2020 he passed away from the cancer but I think the worst part was the fact that when you think about it when someone knows that they're dying from a terminal illness all they want to focus on I think would be their health being with yeah. their family and whatnot. Yeah. And just that. No, on top of that. That was taken away, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah. Because Wrongfully. you were forced, yeah, forced to, on top of that, live in those sorts of conditions. Absolutely beyond immoral and disgraceful and disgusting. I'm still very angry at the fact okay. that happened. Yeah. And I don't think I will get over that anytime soon. And and is a thousand pounds going to change that? That's exactly. <laughs> is a thousand, is ten thousand pounds going to change that? Absolutely. Absolutely not. But what I did get back from the housing provider was, uh, even after all of this has happened, we're sorry, Quajo feels as though he hasn't received the service he deserved. Oh, wow. That's, that's what I So you didn't even get a direct apology no, from Clarion? No, it wasn't. It was absolutely pathetic. So that's when I decided I'm going to go and disgrace them, which is what I did. And I went around every single home in my estate. living. People were living in worse conditions than, than I was. And it, it was taken um, put on ITV uh, National News. And they were disgraced from that point on. And then since then, I went around multiple, because they own the housing stock in my borough. Yeah. Went to other estates, five, ten minutes down the road, exactly the same. Yeah. Did the exact same. And then I started having um, tenants contact me via social media from other housing providers saying it's exactly the same. Local authorities in London, then that spread to nationally and around um, around the country. And that's that's what I've been doing ever since. That's an amazing story. Thank yeah. you for sharing that because mm. I know that's quite emotional. Yeah. Mm. What do you think now? Do you think your dad would be really proud of? Oh, definitely. What you've done? I think, yeah, I think he would. Oh, still, it would never bring him back, but no. the, the impact he's had, I have no doubt he'd absolutely be laughing, especially, yeah, after. I mean, he absolutely loved like BBC News and ITV News and whatnot. So he used to watch it, even when we wanted to watch cartoons and stuff, he'd tell us to back that on the news, yeah. Um, so he'd be laughing at the fact that I've even I've even been able to go on there once, never mind all the other times after that. But in, ter- in regards to the work and, and what's happened for others, he would he would be glad because he he himself was a key worker. He was a carer. He looked after the elderly. Was he? Yeah. 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 For many years, for decades, even um, since he first came came over. So that was a job that he very much did of caring for other people and vulnerable people. Um, and then in his yeah. last couple of months to be to receive that after all of that. It's just an absolute it's just disgrace. Just a slap yeah. in the face, slap, really, absolute isn't slap it? in the face. Treated less than a human being. Yeah, that's what I mean. Mm. And I think we need to keep using this word human, don't mm. we? Mm. Because we're just absolutely forgetting about yeah. that when we mm. think about housing disrepair until you've really shone a light yeah. on this. It's just been, you know, whenever I've heard housing talking about, it's just been statistics. Mm. And it's amazing. And thank you yeah. for sharing, like, yeah. your own story. And I think... Yeah. what's wonderful is you know out of the darkness comes the light and you've done mm. so much good work mm. through telling your story mm. and being able to give a platform to mm. other people that don't have the voice as well yeah that's no, been thank amazing you. thank you um so the big question what do you think mm. we need to do to improve that 
so much. Um, but the fundamental thing, there's so much that needs to be done because it's it's such a broken system, both the public and private sector. It seems to be sort of toxic mm. from the inside out. Yeah. Like it's rotten at the core. Almost. It's like an infestation. Yeah, itself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it is. It is an infestation of itself. Um, and it, the fundamental bottom line is it changes when people start caring, the right people start caring. Yeah. The people with power, yeah. the people that can influence change, really care and prioritise what needs to be a priority. That is the tenants and tenants' needs. It's a public sector. In a hospital, I've said time and time again, in a hospital, you wouldn't expect a doctor or nurse to, to care for anything other than a patient. You yeah. go into a school and expect your teachers to, to prioritise... Yeah the students and their needs and their education. Why is it any different in housing with housing providers, housing officers, CEOs, directors boards? Why are they not prioritizing tenants? Why are they caring more about building houses and generating money over the lives of the people that they're meant to be housing? I think now, because you've shown a light, you've got that public support. Mm. You've got other people coming forwards with their mm. stories. So it's not an isolated instance. Mm. It's shining a light on how large and mm. how horrific Mm. Um, this is and also I think sometimes potentially I'm obviously sticking up for them mm. but you can be desensitised it can just be statistics to them so by bringing these human stories mm. then do you feel that you have actually swayed people and people are in the power are looking at this issue more seriously and genuinely now definitely um I think so because it's completely different to statistics. There's no there's no element of guilt in that. I don't think. Whereas when you watch people living in the conditions that they are, knowing that is your responsibility and you've been allowing that, I would hope anyway it would start playing on the conscience of yeah. those in of those in power. And I think that's what the, the the change is. Whether they genuinely care though, care enough to want to enforce that change and take on a task so big like fixing housing is another question. Um, but regardless, it's going to have to be fixed. I think the light's been shone brightly on this issue and I don't think it's one that will go away easily. If I have anything to do with it, it definitely <laughs> won't. But I don't think with other campaigners and um, other groups and other activists um, talking, screaming and shouting about the same problem, I don't think yeah. it's going anywhere anytime soon until it's dealt with and dealt with not just from the surface but from the actual root. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay, this is a bit of a long question, mm. so I'm going to read off mm. a little bit. Um, so congratulations, you've recently announced that you're making a documentary for Channel 4. Mm -hmm. That's so exciting. Mm -hmm. It's going to centre around, obviously, you tell me, the standards of repairs and maintenance for both social and private housing. Mm. So what made you decide to sort of highlight these issues in the private sector as well? Um it's so and I can't go into too too much detail, but from what I can say is we we know that 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 these problems in regards housing works as a system, mm. private and public, they're 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 intertwined um and they affect each other. Yes. And what we do know, we've known for absolute years and decades that private tenants have been absolutely suffering too. And that's not to say and I would never say everyone that works in housing and for housing providers, whether it's social housing or private landlords, are evil or the worst, or I wouldn't put them under one, because that would be wrong of me to do, because not everyone is exactly the same. And there mm -hmm. are, I've come across in my time, people that genuinely care and work in housing and genuinely care, but unfortunately, yeah. things come from the top down and you have yeah. to abide by that, otherwise you lose your job. Um, but that's a whole other conversation. But... Um, I can't even remember the point that I was trying We're to make. We're talking about sort of how you got into private, but I think... Once it's it's just going to be natural, isn't it? Because mm. once you start to shine a light on the public, yeah. all of a sudden people are going to come to you with their issues about the private sector as yeah. well. And from a legal point of view, it's really hard because mm. there's stricter rules. So as mm. soon as tenants in the private sector complain to their landlord, they Section can, 21. That's it. Yeah. And they're out straight away. And mm. I remember a couple of years back, Twitter's the only social yeah. media that I am yeah. on. Yeah. Um, I remember like a hashtag going around mm. um, about sort of slum landlords and people were posting their pictures of the their living conditions privately. Mm. And compared to how much rent they were paying, particularly Ridiculous. where you live, it was just outrageous. Absolutely and, and people, now that this sort of freezes over with COVID, mm. people are feeling really, really vulnerable. Mm. And it's like what you were saying where you were in temporary accommodation and then you went. Mm. 
people don't feel like they have a choice at all no. as bad as each other. You know, if you want to live in London, you have to pay this crazy rent and you have to bore with loads of people and you have to live in these, in conditions. these conditions. And it's wrong. It's it's blatant, I think, exploitation, especially in the private sector where landlords are doing that and, and allowing tenants to suffer and disrepair whilst charging them absolute ridiculous amounts, like completely unjustifiable amounts of rent um, for the the horrific conditions that they're being forced, mm. I think is absolutely criminal. It should be absolutely criminal anyway, but again, there's barely any laws there for tenants to give tenants powers, and that's why they're stuck in this situation. That's why change from the top yeah. needs to happen. I agree what you're saying about change from the top, and I think we've tiptoed around this a little bit, mm. but... I've had, I've certainly had to think, and I'd love your thoughts mm. on it. A lot of the top are landlords themselves, yeah. and a lot of the top don't don't live or have never lived anywhere close to these living conditions. They aren't from our sort of backgrounds, so they 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 just can't relate whatsoever. Mm. Do you think that is part of the problem as to why we are in this position? Oh, definitely. I think it's a whole culture of um, if something doesn't affect you, then you don't need to bother it. It's not really your problem. It's not really your priority. Um, and I think that's a culture which needs to change. And people need to think about, like I was saying earlier, more about others and not their own selfish interests. And like you said, a lot of <laughs> a lot of the people at the top in government are landlords themselves. So it's not in their interest to yeah. want to make changes that's, that's ultimately going to affect them. Um, and it's completely true it will be difficult for them to make the change but what the point that we've got to is it has to happen yeah there's it's no, not about you yeah, as an individual yeah. anymore no and there's no ifs or buts here what we've what we've agreed and everyone in government has said that i spoke to so far these conditions are absolutely horrific mm. so we've agreed something yep. needs to happen drastic change needs to happen so what if it affects you and a few hundred pounds per month you're making a lot more yes. of that in the position you are which is supposed to represent the country and that's why you're receiving and represent the nation and your constituents and that's why you're receiving taxpayers money um, on top of everything else that you make yeah so that that the, the people should be your priority yeah and what they're saying is they need change in regards to housing there needs to be legislation there needs yeah. to be change they need to be prioritized and landlords and whether that be in social housing or private housing need to be held accountable for breaching health and safety standards mm -hmm. and putting people's lives at risk mm -hmm. so the law is there, but it has no legs. Yeah. And that's, and that's what I find. And a lot of the time we've discussed, you know, I will take certain cases to court thinking mm. this is an absolute slam dunk. This is, this case is horrendous. There's no way we can lose. Mm. And we do lose. And the council do have a lot of sympathy. And mm. again, I do think this goes back to just being absolutely out of the mm. loop of reality of mm. how bad the situation is and mm. who really is in power and, mm. and it's, it's a class thing too yeah because these judges and barristers will be able to afford homes and rent them out or whatnot have multiple homes and be landlords ultimately and again it's that complete disconnect with the people at the top and the class and the people at the bottom um having to live in those situations and but i think it's it's it, well my ideal situation would be that be completely disregarded and you look look at it for what it is yeah and that's human beings, yeah. a human being yeah. is being made to live like this, whether it's a local authority that you believe you should trust. And as you said, we're all agreeing that, yeah. it's, it, you know, from the top down, we're agreeing that that standard yeah. is unacceptable. Yeah. yeah, not one person in my time has sat in front of me and tried to justify those any of the living conditions um, that I've shown or the fact that people are being forced to live like this. Not one. So no, why are things changing straight away? Where's the reaction? Exactly. Yeah. So we need the action really, don't mm. we? Another big massive topic at the moment is the cost of the living crisis. So yeah. you've recently appeared on a panel, you're just everywhere a little yeah. bit, um, yeah. at Glastonbury. Mm. So tell me a little bit about that then. Yeah, so it was um, defined the cost of living crisis and mm. I was on um, with a few of them, few of them um, members too to discuss well, our work as individuals, but also what needs to be done and what more needs to be done to defy the cost of living, basically. Because I'm sure that mm. th this crisis straight away, I'm thinking this is going to affect mm. our tenants the most. Oh, definitely. Definitely. I mean, everyone needs... Housing is something fundamentally that affects everyone in this country. Um, 
unless you are homeless and a rough sleeper. But even in that sense, it does mm. affect you because you haven't mm-hmm. got okay. something that you deserve. Um, so We're talking about absolute basics yeah, here. Yeah. We're not talking about luxury. No. We're just talking about yeah. and basics. It, yeah, and it will affect tenants the most because we... And it's it's not just tenants in social housing, it's private housing too. We're going to yeah. see landlords increase their prices mm-hmm. and landlords increasing their prices whilst also letting their tenants live in squalor. But also social housing, tenants are going to have, be, there's still, there's tenants out there with disrepair that they're so desperate and will throw absolutely all of their money, even if they are on benefits or whatnot, just try and get themselves out of that situation as well as trying to, they're finding it difficult to, um, they're having to choose between paying their electric, paying their landlord rent Mm. or feeding their kids Mm. ultimately and in a lot of cases they're having to prioritize paying their rent so they're not evicted to a landlord which isn't fixing housing conditions that they're complaining about um whilst not being able to feed themselves and struggling to pay their gas and electric It's, uh, it's it's just completely um immoral i think and it will be tenants that that's suffer suffer the The most most. yeah Yeah. tenants living with disrepair yeah, so our hope really is mm. that if at the very least they can just get the home repaired and to, yeah. you know, I think what we, the message we need to get out here is we're not saying mm. that we want the, you know, anyone to live in absolute luxury. We're just mm. saying just a reasonable a decent living standard. Yeah. standard, just somewhere that's livable. Mm. That is the absolute fair basics. Mm. Fit for human habitation. Fit for humans to yeah, live in. Yeah. And they're just not. They're falling way, way no. below that standard. Mm. Turning now really to the role of solicitors. Mm. I'm going to challenge you a little bit yeah. on solicitors. We've talked a lot today and I know it's not a black and white issue. Yeah. It's like multifaceted. One of your tweets was sort of about the role of solicitors in housing claims. Yeah. So because you are advocating and you do come across solicitors good and bad Mm. you tell me from your point of view what should we be doing and what should we not be doing in an ideal world well I've um, I I have come across a lot of solicitors and I've spoken to tenants that have come across a lot of solicitors and the ones that I do work with are are really really good and I always when I come across a case, I always ask, do you have a solicitor? Do you have legal help? And if not, I've helped tenants get that legal help. I've put yeah. them in contact with the right solicitors that I know are reputable and I've worked with in the past. But unfortunately, you do have other solicitors out there. Which that, I agree yeah, with. We've yeah, talked about we it. Have, I accept that. That, that. that prioritise money. Um, money and finances over what it is that they should be delivering. And again, it's a service and they are part of the problem. And I'm not saying again, because I wouldn't put everyone under the same umbrella. It's not all, because you really do have good solicitors and housing solicitors that are there because they genuinely care and know exactly what is going on in regards to tenants living in disrepair and know it's not um, fair and want to help tenants. But then you've got, like everything, you've got situation and, and that's the saddest part. Like people still try to make money out of a bad situation and prioritise doing that as opposed to what it is they should be doing. You have got solicitors out there um, we'd be lying if we said there there isn't um, yeah. out there doing that and again exploiting tenants and their situations their vulnerable situations and I think it's completely bad so I've have had loads of them solicitors without even really introducing me or um, disguising it mm, as something trying to else. jump on yeah trying to jump on and say oh um, yeah come to us and give us your tenants or let's work together and we can make money out of this. And it's like, no, because I that's never not, went, I never see, went that's into That's not your goal. Yeah, yeah. But I think they're missing the point of that's not the tenant's goal, goal either. either. Yeah. There's a big body of lawyers mm. that actually want to change the law. And we've mm. got to think, you know, me personally, not just housing, so I do a lot of other things. I do want the public to learn to trust lawyers again. Mm. And I am doing sort of my own campaign mm. that some lawyers can mm. be trusted. Some lawyers mm. sort of have people's best intentions mm. at heart. And we do have laws in place where lawyers have lobbied to get those laws. Where we agree is the laws are there. They are just not enough. They're just not enough. Mm. And I do, honestly, I'd love the day where... I have to shut the housing department mm. because landlords are actually doing the repairs. Because mm. I can almost pick another area of law to go mm. into. 
But unfortunately, the cases are there because yeah. no one's doing anything about it. Yeah. What we see, again, which is unfortunate, is sometimes as soon as a lawyer gets involved or you get involved, all of a sudden... Things start moving. Things start moving. And, and that is wrong, yeah. but that is the reality. Mm. It is. It is. And for 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 um, for tenants suffering with disrepair, I know it was with me. I didn't really know of any... Can- campaigners um it was i kind of fell into this role and when i started i don't, didn't really know of any housing groups or campaigners that could help me but what i did know is there was solicitors out there they were essentially my only hope at the time like i didn't know where else to go and i didn't think i'd get anything moving otherwise um so so they were for a lot of and are for a lot of tenants that the, the only person or group of people in their corner to back them up when it comes to defending themselves against negligent housing providers um, and housing providers are massive organizations with influence um, power and intimidation yeah. and they won't they won't mind um, using that in order to suppress or manipulate what it is that tenants tenants want and need um, so they, they tend to go to um, solicitors I know that I, I do um, to have them in their corner fighting their fighting their case for them um, but like we said, there are, there are it can be a minefield yeah, yeah, itself, it, it, like anything. Yeah. There's good players and there's bad players yeah. in the field. And but, it's just yeah. really dif- differentiating mm. who it is. Mm. And maybe sometimes mm. calling them out as well. And I think, yeah. you know, as a owner of a law firm, there's mm. many a times where I've got to hold myself to account mm. and say, is this the right person mm. to sue? Is this the right avenue? You know, are we giving back to the clients? What is our main mm. source of objective mm. here? Can we listen? Can we learn? And that's mm. why it's great to have you mm. on here to sort of guide us mm. and give us advice as to yeah. what the real deal is, what yeah. we can do mm. to help and sort of share our information as well yeah. about the statistics that we have. Because yeah. sometimes, as we discussed, you mm. might have the feeling that this is you know, a rogue landlord all those different cases and we can turn around and go yeah we've actually got 500 cases with them and this is what they're up to and i think you know whoever the players are we should all come together definitely and i think that's what tenants need is that even if it is solicitors doing that and also putting pressure on the likes of the government as as professionals and saying there's an issue here we're dealing with it we now need you to do your part because it is such a huge problem as well as the likes of me other campaigners other groups and tenants screaming and shouting yeah. about it because collectively we're We've now got a saying, bigger voice yeah, from all different yeah, levels yeah, exactly. and we can hit we can come at it from all different yeah. angles as well yeah. so that's that's why that i support, am happy I yeah. that you're here yeah no thank you i'm glad to be here because like i said it's that, that tenant tenants as well as with disrepair need that legal support in terms of putting pressure on the people at the top meaning government and saying listen here we're professionals we're dealing on a day-to-day um, case with tenants suffering with disrepair there is a problem here you need to do something we're yeah. telling you you need to do something yeah um and it's it's that that gives tenants that bit more power even though laws and regulations don't really have a leg to stand on at the moment it's about telling the governments and the likes of the governments that this needs to change tenants need more powers because this is completely yeah. immoral unacceptable and criminal ultimately what is happening what is allowed what is being allowed to happen and just in my sort of takeaway just Mm. from this conversation today i'm getting it that actually lawyers are agreeing with you Mm. mps are agreeing with you people who work in the housing are agreeing with you Mm. so we're all agreed yeah when is this you know when's this change going to come so i'd say to you for other people that are in a similar situation Mm. and feel inspired to use their voice for a greater cause like what advice would you give them oh just Go with it and throw your absolute all at it, I'd say. Um, because ultimately, we have morals. We know the difference between mm. right and wrong. It doesn't necessarily have to be housing like mm-hmm. I did. It could be absolutely anything. Something they're passionate yeah, about. Yeah, we know the difference between right or wrong. And if you know you're fighting on the, 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 the side the of the fight. good and you know that change needs to come and you know that people are suffering because it, the change isn't there yet, you might be that individual that creates that change. And it seems like a massive task. And... The, the term campaign or activist, I didn't plan on getting that title. I kind of fell into it and was labelled it. Yeah. I just wanted, I knew, I wanted to prove a point. And it starts with that, wanted to prove a point and showing that something's happening and it's completely wrong and shouldn't be happening. And it's from there, 
that you take day by day and things begin to change. And it's difficult, I won't lie, but it's not as hard in that sense of going out there day in, day mm -hmm. out and talking about an issue and getting change. And the benefit you will get from it is seeing the results there. Um, and I just encourage absolutely anyone anyone because that's what we need more of i bet you have inspired yeah people. i hope so i really really do not just in housing but beyond yeah. young people old people you yes. name it to 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 make it known that their voice matters because it yes. does and at the end of the day everyone's human being and deserves and i say time and time again to be treated like one yes um and we shouldn't I think stop until the they are of yeah. this talk isn't yeah. it well what a fantastic talk i've had yes, with you today you. and what you a fantastic year yeah. that you've had yeah yeah so it's been good we, we all want to know what's next oh god I, I, I honestly don't know I've just finished uni so I've got well, oh, I, I graduated I got my grades yesterday oh my yeah stop it yeah, what did yeah. you get and what, what did you do so it was so I started business entrepreneurship and innovation so oh, were you 20... literally living and breathing yeah, that yeah I know it's crazy because in my final year I had to do talk about social issues and I talked wow. about housing and what because I was doing it at the time yeah I got a two one, which I'm I'm happy. I that am happy is with, amazing. Considering the year, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. I mean, my focus was completely not on my degree for the last yeah. year, um, so I'm glad I managed to get away without having to you reset. You should be in a so year. proud. That's yeah. amazing. Well I'm done. glad I, I'm glad I finished. But from this point, I'm going to continue with my housing. Continue advocating on behalf of people. Continue trying to get change from government. Ultimately, real change passed that will benefit people for generations to come. Um, and then from there, I don't, I don't know, to be honest, I haven't really planned. Well, we had a little chat today because yeah. I gave you a tour of our offices yeah. and we've got all, we've got our Banksy boardroom yeah. and we've got oh, all art, our art yeah. up. Yeah. So we tell me a little bit about yeah. the hidden yeah. artist yes. in you. Yeah, so I, as well as campaigning, my woman passion is art. So mm. painting, I taught myself how to paint. Um, a lot of people know, but I don't, I, I took a huge pause for about two years, especially since I've been doing this. I just haven't had the chance to do it, yeah. but I'm getting back into it. And ultimately, that's what I want to do with my art. That's what I enjoy doing. That's yeah. what um, I can sit down doing it for 13 hours a day, not eat, not even mm. care, and just sit and, sit and do that. And that's, that's what I want to do when I get to where it is that I want to with, in terms of campaigning and getting changed with housing. Yeah. So that is the goal. Um, but who knows? It might take another diversion. I never planned on being a coming a housing yeah, campaigner. Yeah, a campaigner. Who knows, two years from now, I could be doing something completely different. And I have no doubt that you're going to have yeah. artists under your yeah. large list of accolades. Yeah, so thank you so, so much. I so. And I will definitely be buying one. Yes, thank you. Thank <laughs> I'm you. putting it on our yeah, wall. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to have to get straight to it as soon as I get back to London. Then. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, thank you. Are amazing. Thank yeah. you so much for yeah. your talk today. Thank you. Thank thank you. you. Great. That I was felt really like good. that was really good. Yeah, I mean, uh, do you know what? Normally I make mistakes. Like